Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Mean Old Lion Media presents Wardrobe Boss. Hi there, everybody. Thank you for checking out the Wardrobe Boss podcast. I'm Eliza Perilla, personal stylist and home organization coach, and I am the Wardrobe Boss. Uh, Today, we're talking money, moolah. Yep, that's what I said. Fashion and having a lovely home cost money. So today, we have a financial expert who is the founder of A Girlfriend's Survival Guide. Ilana Melianta teaches women how to be financially fit. Ilana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Eliza. All right, let's talk dinero. Um, What are the basic money systems that a woman should have in place no matter what her financial situation is? Well, the first thing is you really need to know what is coming into the household and what is leaving. So how much income, net income coming in, And what are you spending on? You really could break down your expenses by your fixed expenses. And that is your housing, your food, clothing, and no, not your Gucci clothing, right? (laughs) And your discretionary, which is your girl's night out, your your gym membership, your me maintenance, as I call it. That's my hair, my nails, my feet. So you want to break it down between those two buckets. And then what are your goals? What are you planning for? Let me just ask you one question before we go on. Is there an app that can help with that? Because I don't think women want to sit down at the end of the month while they have all this mail to open and all this stuff and say, well, this is what I spent on this and this is what I spent. Like, what kind of tool can just easily help you manage that? There are budgeting apps. Um, I personally, what I do is I just spend everything on one credit card. And then at the end of the month, that credit card breaks it up between my, you know, fixed expenses, which is my food. What am I spending on food? What am I spending on my entertainment? What am I spending on stores? What am I spending on subscriptions? That's great because that's easy to keep it there, right? And then you can use other credit cards for other things. And it's funny you say that because I do the same thing. I use really one main credit card pretty much for everything. And then the other credit cards I hardly use because I'm just I just don't like to amass debt. I have stellar credit and I'd like to keep it that way. So I'm very, that's something I'm very careful about. Can you please break down the percentage of debt that a person should or should not have? Absolutely. So, you know, we look at consumer debt and that's basically your credit cards, your auto loans, things like that. You want to make sure that you have less than 20% of your net income. So net income, that's just what's coming into the household after your taxes and everything else. Your housing debt, which is your mortgage, property taxes, insurance, or, you know, if you're renting, it should really be less than 28% of your gross debt, and then your total debt overall. And that entails housing, mortgage, your discretionary spending should be less than 36% of your gross income. So if you're making 100,000, easy numbers, 
36,000. You don't want to spend any more than that in overall debt. Wow. So how many or what percentage of the population really gets to stay within that number? Because that doesn't seem like, I don't know, it just seems like people spend way more than that. Because wouldn't we have a lot more left over if we were spending that number? You're absolutely right, Eliza. Um, you know, it it's sad to say that, um, you know, four out of seven Americans are financially illiterate. They do not know these actual, you know, rules of thumb, as I say it. Um, if you look at millennials, only 24% understand financial topics. That's why it is so important to to educate yourself. Financial literacy is so important because we are living way above our means. And it's because we don't know what we're spending on these days. And that's half the problem is nobody's actually looking at what they're spending on. And, you know, is your spending aligned with your values? I I mean, what are you actually spending on? You know, to me, you know, retirement's important. So that's, I'm, I'm saving towards retirement. You know, my children's education is important. I'm saving, you know, for my children's education. And it's okay to splurge. You want, you know, you want to buy that nice car? Great, wonderful. You want to buy that great pair of shoes? Great, wonderful. But, you know, put that into your budget. You know, put that into, I call it a fun fund. You know, after I look at my overall budget, I say, all right, you know what? I can spend X amount of money on me. That's my fun fund. That's my entertainment. That's whatever I want to spend on. So yes, you know, it all starts with knowing what you make and what you spend. Plain and simple. Number one rule. And that's great. And it's also an excellent point because I think if you set yourself up that way, then you'll spend after you know what you have available to spend. And I think people live, and I'll speak for myself, the complete opposite, right? I spend before I know what I should be spending, but I'm not a big spender and I am careful. I'm very careful with the way I spend money. And it's really because I don't want to be wasteful. You know, when I go in people's closets, Ilana, and I look at thousands of dollars that's there that goes either into, you know, what it doesn't matter. It, you know, it's gone. You spend it in your closet. If you give it away, if you, and if anybody thinks, no, I can sell it on Poshmark. You can forget that because you're getting pennies on the dollar. And it, it's so much work sometimes to do that, that you're not going to want to do that. And you're not going to want to pay somebody to do that. So I guess I say all of that to say, it's a great concept to, know what you have available to spend before absolutely spend. Absolutely. And, you know, I agree with you, you know, for me, um, you know, I always say I'm frugal, but my husband says, you're not frugal, you pick and choose what you spend on. Mm -hmm. So I'll buy, you know, big ticket items, but it's because there's a reason behind that large purchase. Like this summer, I put a pool in because you know what, I have six kids. So for me, you know, to have that for the summer, especially during COVID, COVID, it was a big ticket item, but I say that was my best investment ever. Again, it's what you value. So, you know, that purse, what is it giving you, you know, except immediate, you know, gratification, <laughs> you know, for the moment, but you know, it, you know, where's the values and what, you know, what does it bring to you? So, I mean, that's the way I look at it. You need to pick, you know, pick and choose what you're spending on. Yes. I always tell clients to look at the costs per wear. Is it going to pay for itself? And, you know, the key word that you used is investment. When I buy a big ticket item of any kind, 
it's like, is this an investment piece? Or because I always think if something happens, and this is just the way I personally think, but if something happens, what do I have that's worth anything? If I have to liquefy things, what do I have? So even if I buy into let's say, I don't know, a luxury handbag. I want to buy something that if I sell it back, it doesn't lose its value as soon as I buy it. Looking at spending as investments is a real game changer. Uh, Absolutely. And values, you know, what do you value? You know, that that's really important to align with your overall spending. You know, if you look back, you know, this past month, you know, what did you spend on and what do you really value? Do they align? I always ask that my clients. That's a great question. Um, You know, Ilana, I know many women, many women from who came from nothing and made more than something for themselves. Right. And I know women who just have different kind of financial backgrounds. But even, I don't think it matters if, you know, they're not wealthy or they are wealthy, right? Because I know women from all background. And what the one thing that I find that I think women have in common across the board is that money is taboo to talk about. And I can even include myself in that. Because it's like, you know, well, how much money do you have saved? Or what's your 401k? Or are you, you know, whatever it is, right? Are you set up? Who's your financial person? How do I find a financial person? And it's just shocking to me. Well, I don't want to say shocking. It's surprising that as far as we've come as women, it's still taboo in a way to talk about money. And only because I think most women just don't understand money or how money works. And yes, it's true. I don't know about in your generation, but in my own personal generation and my family, nobody sat me down and taught me about money. So I still don't know about money. I just so happen to be in a situation where one of my siblings is a money person and another sibling is married to a money person. So because I'm sandwiched in between that, you know, they, they handle everything for me. And I know that's terrible, right? But it's such a taboo and you are on the forefront of doing things to break that, to have women be able to say, we can talk about money. We can educate ourselves. Let me help educate you. So how, how did you come about to do this? I agree with you. You know, us as women, we can talk about sex. We could talk about weight. We can talk about, you know, our, you know, our, our nips and tucks and, you know, all, you know, all that other stuff. But when it comes to money, it, it is taboo. And I realize that. I realize that with my own friends. I realize that with my clients who are females. Um, I realize that, you know, with just women in general. And I think it comes to, you know, not knowing. And, you know, I had this young 30-year-old that was referred to me the other day, and she inherited a whole bunch of money, and it's been sitting in cash. And I said, how come you've never invested it? She goes, because you know what? When I think about investments, I think about of an old 50-year-old grade man. And to me, that's intimidating to a young woman. And I get that because you know what? It's a very male dominated field. And when you don't know something, it's, it's, it's intimidating and it could be, it's overwhelming, intimidating. And you, you know, and I hate to use the word, you know, women feel stupid, you know, they don't want to ask questions. I get it. So, you know, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create financial literacy. I wrote, you know, a girlfriend's financial survival guide because I knew how difficult it is how 
for women to just understand overall finances, what they need to know, how to budget, how to save, how to invest, what's important. Um, and I wrote this book and I wrote it in a really funny, silly, non intimidating way where it's relatable because I am a woman. Um, I know what we like. I know what retail therapy is. I know I, I understand, you know, the things that haunt us, <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's, it's, you know, don't be scared to ask the questions. Don't be scared to talk about it because, you know, at the end of the day, you need to be able to stand on your own two feet. You're, you know, whether you're, you know, you're taking your journey solo or you are with a partner, many times women still outlive their spouses or, you know, we are, we're all aware of divorce. Over 50% of, you know, people end up in divorce, me, myself included. I ended up in divorce. So it, don't be scared. You know what? Take the bull by the horns. You know what? We do everything. Us as women, we're so capable of everything. I mean, think about it. We manage our households. We take care of our kids. We take care of our parents. We, you know, we think about it. We take care of everything. Why can't we take care of our money? We can. It's That's just great. taking initiative. My two cents. No, you're absolutely right. But it's also, where do I go to find out? And I, I love that you talked about your book. Your book is a girlfriend's survival guide, but right for women so that they know it's really a girlfriend's financial survival guide. And I think that you made an excellent point. The conversation needs to be light. And the reading about it needs to be one plus one equals two. I have a friend and every time we talk about a book or reading, we're like, no, give me the version that's one plus one equals two. I don't want to do a dis. I don't want to take apart someone's dissertation and put it back. I don't want to do that. And so, yes, you're right. And I love that, that you put this uh, uh, girlfriend survival guide together. And it's such a, a cool name, right? Because it sounds inviting. It doesn't sound so intimidating, like ladies, get your money together. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly my point. We can do this together. Come on, we can do it. And, you know, on the other hand, it's funny because what I what I thought about when you were talking about that was I do have younger clients as well that are women and they work in finance. And the thing about young women that work in finance is that guess what? They're telling the men of 50 with gray hair how to handle their money. And that's got to be intimidating for them. And the thing that's interesting is when these women finish school and they come to me, when they finish school, they start with a six-figure jobs, right? But they don't know how to dress the part. And because they're in finance, they are like a little bit smart with how they spend their money. So they're not coming in with Gucci shoes and, you know, this kind of stuff. And so I sometimes I have to give them like a, a whole makeover to say, listen, if you're going to be talking to men of a certain age about what to do with their millions of dollars, then you need to look that part and be a little bit intimidating when you walk in that room because they're going to know. They're going to smell the blood. They'll smell fear. They will sniff you out. And if you don't have their trust, you don't have your a business for yourself. And so, it, you know, it's interesting that it works both ways. And it is very, very, very nice to see young women really pursuing finance, because it does mean that more women know about money. But on that level, it's different than from day to day. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, going back to, you know, what do you spend on? The one thing I always spent on was my suits, because I felt like, you know what, 
I in being in a male dominated field, I needed my power suits because that's what made me feel, you know, at their level. And I shouldn't say at their mm-hmm. level, but it just it, I, I my power suits was my investment. And I felt that's what I needed to invest for my business to succeed in my business, because it is all about perception. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and people judge you from the moment that they meet you. And when you're working in that, t- and in any industry, I mean, you look at all the different types of industries, there is a certain perception and you want to put out there a certain look, you know, that's professional where people um, will respect well, right. it's for confidence too, because I think if a man walks into a room, a financial guy, and he's not wearing a suit, he's not going to feel as confident. So it's the same thing with us. The suit makes you feel like it's your power uniform. And Absolutely. And you feel most in power. So the same way that works for them, I can see that it works for us. In your book, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you have a six-step guide to earn a million dollars? It's not necessarily a, a, a six-step guide, um, but I do t- talk about ways to build towards wealth, you know? And, you know, my first chapter, I start off with my 16-year-old daughter, well, who just turned 17. But when we were in COVID, you know, every single day, she wanted her Starbucks and her Uber Eats. And I always used to tell her, you know, just $10 a day, if you saved it and not, you know, spend it on your high caloric drinks and (laughs) your Uber Eats. I said, if you invested that money and just earned, you know, I don't know, six, six, six and a half percent you would have over a million dollars by the time you retire. So it's even those little things that you spend on, that pack of gum, that cup of coffee every single day, that lunch, that breakfast, before you know it, you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars on things that you could have put together for yourself at home the night before and brought to work. So just that one little thing, um, you know, helps you build towards wealth. The other thing is living below your means. And, you know, I always go back to the only way you could live below your means is knowing exactly what's coming out and what you're spending on. Um, The other thing I always see is, you know, you're starting out in life, you're adulting now, you've got your first job, but now you're climbing the ranks, you're starting to make more and more money. Well, and start instead of spending more and more, why don't you save more and more? That helps build wealth, right? Saving more. Having an emergency fund, you know, that's so important because you never, ever know what could happen. Look at COVID. COVID. Do you know that more than 55% of women were impacted by COVID versus men? One, because many of them had to give up their jobs because of childcare and homeschooling. So even if you look at that stat, you know, women were affected more so than men. That's why it's so important to have that emergency fund because you just never know. And typically they say three to six months you should have. If you own a business, really, it should be six to 12 months because you just never know. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I see. And you got to automate your savings. You need to be disciplined. You know what? Out of sight, out of mind. You know what? Make sure that it's the same way that you set up your, I don't know, I set up all my auto payments for, you know, my credit card payments, things like that. Do the same thing for savings. 
automate it out of sight, out of mind. Um, Ilana, do you do any one-on-one coaching? Because I can see, I can see myself telling anybody, right? Any woman, oh, you have to meet Ilana, blah, blah, blah. And then they're going to say, sure, I'll read a book. But what happens when I'm done reading the book and I forget everything I read, or I don't want to keep going to the book? Is coaching, one-on-one coaching, something you provide? And, and before you answer that, let me just um, um, also ask that, you know, a lot of people will take the information, they'll get it, but you know, it's like anything else. You start doing it, you start doing it, then something happens, life happens, it gets crazy. And then we automatically by default revert back to our old habits. And then that's how we get sucked in again. So do you do one-on-one financial coaching? I do. I mean, I I do that with all my clients. Um, You know, the way that I work with clients um, is a couple of different ways. So yes, I I will do coaching where I'll teach them the basics. Then I take it the next level if somebody wants to work with me in creating a financial plan, going through their goals. I will create a financial plan. I will create investment strategies for them based on their goals and their timeline of those goals. So yes, um, I provide any sort of financial coaching, consulting, advice, you know, all the way from budgeting through investing and saving for your future. Now, let's say a woman is in her mid whatever. She's 45 years old. She's 55 years old, whatever. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm Carrie Bradshaw. I have nothing but shoes and I have no money saved. How do you get a person from there to actually not feeling like that's it. It's a bust. I lost. Can you get them to a significant place from that age until whatever retirement is and still help them have a nest egg or something substantial to sustain their self financially? Absolutely. You know, like I said, the first thing that I would do, let's say you came to me is I'd say, Eliza, all right, let's sit down and let's figure out, okay, what are you bringing in? Next step, what are you spending on? Okay, you can't necessarily cut your fixed expenses, although sometimes you can, you could downsize, right, you can move to another area. So there, there are ways around that as well. But really, we would focus on your discretionary expenses, we would take a look at your debt, we would create a plan to start working, you know, eating away at that debt, we would um, then figure out, okay, well, how much do you need to save because you want to retire at X age? What's the savings plan? now? What are the different investment buckets? What is your short-term goals versus your you know, intermediate, which is five to 10 versus your long-term 10 plus years? And we save up little savings vehicles for those. Then we create an investment strategy and it's not a one and done. So yes, if you read the book, it could be a one and done. You could say, okay, I'm going to work towards it. But when you're working with a professional, we're kind of holding you accountable. So we're going to always, you know, we're going to have those reviews and we're going to say, okay, are you still on track with your goals? If not, what changes do we need to make? What do we need to do to get you on track? You know, do we need to cut back on spending? Do we need to save more? Whatever it may be, we just build out a strategy and hold you accountable. How about these women who come to you and say, well, the truth is I spend lots of money on clothes and accessories, but I don't have money saved because I feel like there are lots of women like that. They just won't admit it. Yeah. So what happens when they come to you with that? Are you like, girl, bye. Or you're like, girl, let me help you because you need help. 
Well, yes. <laughs> well, you, you you know what I really do is I show to them on black um, black and white what their life would potentially look like. Um, and I show them exactly when they would run out of money and do they want to live in a cardboard box on the street? Because unfortunately, that's what happens to a lot of people. So I think showing them or painting that picture for them, they're like, okay, what do I need to do to, you know, get myself back on track? So I think when seeing something in black and white, and that's when a financial plan kind of, you know, comes into play where we actually show a cash flow analysis and show how long women live and show, you know, the cost of living and how it continues to go up with inflation and how taxes impact your income and your, you know, your savings. So when we show it in black and white, I think people kind of open up their eyes and they're like, holy, (laughs) you know, uh, I, I need to do something about it. So it's holding people accountable and saying you can't spend anymore. And trust me, um, I, I have a sister who who lo- loves to spend and, you know, it's a constant conversation. And it's like, hey, you know what? Your Louboutins aren't going to pay for you in retirement. That just doesn't work, you know, and going back to, well, you know, I, I and on top of it, you can't wear them anymore because they hurt your feet. <laughs> so, you know, I'm selling them. I'm selling them on eBay. I'm sh- selling them on Poshmark. I said, yeah, still not. Again, you're getting pennies on the dollar. So you've you got to be smart about your money and where you're spending. That is such a powerful tool to have people look into their future financially and say, okay, this is what you're doing. You're Louboutining it all the time and you're right Vuittoning it all the time. Here's what your life is going to look like at this age, at this time, if you continue to spend like this. I think that is so such a powerful tool. <laughs> I know. Well, that's why I say every person, doesn't matter man or woman, they need a financial plan because that's the only way that their whole financial picture and financial future will be right in front of them. And they could see a clear picture of what it could potentially look like, depending on what steps you take. If you don't save, it's going to look like this way. If you continue to spend, it'll look like this way. If you do save, then it's going to look like this way. Your choice, you decide, not me, you. So, I mean, that's the way I look at it. But the earlier, the better, right? It's never too early to develop great habits, because once you get in those habits, then you default to that. You're going to save more at the end of the day. You're going to build a better nest egg. You're going to create better habits. And that's what it's all about. It's creating good financial habits. So, you know. Speaking of nest eggs, do you think married women should have their own nest egg, even if their assets are managed within their marriage? Absolutely. And the reason why is I believe, you know, you never know what can happen. You know, over 50% of marriages end up, you know, in divorce. I look at as a nest egg, it's a simple defense against life uncertainties. So, you know, for 50% of marriages that do go the distance, great, the nest egg helps both spouses. But for 50% that end in divorce, look at it as marriage insurance, right? You've already built your own nest egg. You know, even if you're not the spouse that's bringing in income, you know, there are vehicles like IRAs, like 
you can still open up an IRA for yourself, even though you're not bringing income, as long as you have a spouse that's, you know, producing income. So there are vehicles for individuals that, you know, don't necessarily bring the income. I can tell you a story. My best friend right now, she has been, and I call them the CFO, chief family officer of her household. So she didn't work. She raised her family, but she's having a difficult time now. And she's contemplating divorce. Her husband makes really good money, but he doesn't necessarily show it all on paper. So even if she were to receive alimony, she probably wouldn't get enough to maintain her cap cost of living. So she's trying to reinvent herself and trying to create, you know, a whole new career. She used to be a very successful career woman before she had kids, but she's been out of the workforce for her oldest is 17. So it goes back to, yes, you should absolutely have your own nest egg and they they don't necessarily need to know about it i'm so glad that. i asked you that question because you're married now you were divorced before and i know you're married again but i thought you were going to say no you should you know let you and your husband manage it so i'm so glad i asked you that always have your own Leave it at that. <laughs> very enlightening answer. And the reasons you gave were awesome. Now, I'm sure there are so many more questions, Ilana, that I can ask you. But what is the question that I'm not asking you that every woman should know about money, period? Insurance, 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 insurance. And I'll tell you why. Because, for one, disability insurance. God forbid you cannot produce an income anymore, okay? And you're disabled for whatever reason. Disability insurance, whether it's short-term or long-term, provides a stream of income, number one. Long-term care insurance. God forbid you can no longer eat on your own, bathe on your own, dress on your own, you know, whether it's illness or disability, whatever it may be. Well, the cost of care is insane through the roof. I have a client right now who is paying $6,000 a week, a week, okay, for 24-hour care because she hurt herself and she needs 24-hour care and wants to stay in her home. $6,000 a week. And she keeps calling me, Alana, I need more money. I need more money. And I'm like, what's going on? Um, And the other thing, life insurance. You know, let's say you did get a divorce and you are receiving alimony. And, you know, I I keep talking that the woman's the one that's getting the funds. Let me just tell you, I've always been the breadwinner in my family. And there are plenty of women who are breadwinners. So I don't want people to be like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm just, the, the majority is, Typically, the women are not the breadwinners, but there are a high percentage of women who are. So I just I want to just clarify that. But going back to divorce, let's say you are receiving alimony um, and child care. What if, you know, they pass away? Then what? You know, life insurance would cover that income need. If you're also married, you know, you want to make sure that you have enough life insurance that protects, you know, any sort of need that is, you know, backed by, you know, the dollar sign. Anything that costs you money, you want to make sure that it's being paid for. And um, the last thing is an umbrella policy. You've now, if you've built this huge nest egg and now, now you want to make sure it's protected, you know, 
So that's another thing is, you know, you work your whole life building an SDEG, make sure it's protected by an umbrella policy. And so this is what some of the things you help with as a financial advisor, right? Because if I needed all these insurance, then I'm going to go to my financial person. I'm not going to call Geico. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. I'm going to my financial person and say, okay, do I bundle this in with my home and auto insurance? Or do I keep my health insurance separate from my life insurance? Like me as a woman, and I'm not ashamed to say that I don't know these things. So I would go to my financial person. So then is that what the people do? They're like, Ilana, you're my financial gal. You tell me what to do. Absolutely. Um, You know, as a financial advisor, we look at our clients' financial blind spots and we basically say, you know what, we need to look at long-term care. I know me from my, through my own firm, we help our clients with their insurance needs. We help our clients through their estate planning needs or investments. Anything you think about financial, most financial advisors will be able to either provide the service through their company that they work for, or they'll be be able to provide you guidance to somebody who you may be able to go to that they have, you know, that they can refer you to that they have, you know, trust that they they'll guide you the right way. So I want to let my listeners know, Ilana has a wealth of information on finances. She has a book out right now. Where can they get your book on Amazon? Okay. It's not out yet. It's, okay. it should be out in the next oh. month or two. Um, we're in the last stages of it. It's a girlfriend's financial survival guide. So stay tuned next couple of months. I'm also creating a financial literacy platform called Funny Girl Finance. And, you know, hopefully I will have that up and running. So it's a place where people could come and get little financial tidbits and ask questions, get little checklists and worksheets, things like that. Um, That is in the making. And, you know, hopefully we'll have it out, you know, within the next six months. Um, Is that paid subscription app? It's in the working right in the makes right now. So I don't have a lot of details right now. We're just kind of figuring out the model, but that will, you know, within the next six months, we'll, you know, hopefully it will, you know, evolve into an app and just a resource for, you know, anyone to go to, you know, for any financial need and just a, a place they could inquire and educate themselves. And lastly, you know, I am a financial advisor. I'm a certified divorce financial analyst, a chartered retirement planning counselor, and an accredited investment fiduciary. So yes, <laughs> I know anything and everything you need to know about finance, I probably know. And if not, I have a resource for it. So, um, you know, please use me as a resource. So this is what I'm here for. This is what I love to do. It's what I'm passionate about. Please tell my listeners where they can find you, where they can say, hey, Ilana, I have a few questions. Where can they find you on Instagram or your website? Give us all your information because I want the women who listen to this podcast to know about people like you. And that's why I bring you on. You know, wardrobe is a part of what I do, but having a successful mindset and a home that you is your safe haven and your little piece of heaven, all of that cost. And it's really important to have your finances in order in, if you want to live that kind of lifestyle, no matter what mo- what kind of money you make. Absolutely. Well, if you Google my name, and that's Ilana, E-L-A-N-A, Milianta, M-I-L-I, 
A-N-T-A, that will pull up my website, Milianta Wealth Management. It will pull up my LinkedIn. Um, as far as Funny Girl Finance, that's at Funny Girl Finance on Instagram and a girlfriend's financial survival. Actually, on Instagram, it's a girlfriend's survival guide. So it's at a girlfriend's survival guide. Really, if you just Google my name, you should be able to pull all that up. And yes, please, uh, you know, I, I'm all about um, empowering and educating women, and not just women, but really everyone, because financial literacy is really important. Ilana, thank you so much. I mean, I really had so many more questions for you, but I'm going to, you like, maybe we can do a live on Instagram or something because I, I really believe this is so important as much as you do, as much as wardrobe or whatever I talk about, this is so, u- uber important and should not be ignored under any circumstances. So I look forward to seeing you on Instagram in person. We will talk more. And for all of my listeners, thank you so much. Please subscribe if you feel led, tell a friend, bring a friend. But these are the kind of people I bring on because this is this is what I want you to be informed about. Not only wardrobe, fashion, high fashion, fast fashion, whatever I talk about, but finances are a, a married to that, directly married to that. Ilana, thank you so much for being here. Thank You gave so much valuable information in such a short time, and I am truly grateful. Have an awesome day. Thank you, Eliza. Appreciate it. Wardrobe Boss is hosted and produced by Eliza Perilla. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Wardrobe Boss podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Wardrobe Boss is a mean old line media production. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.